Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Here's a little joke, a little thought about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in different parts of the Garden of Eden when the Lord commanded Adam to go and squeeze Eve's hand. What's a squeeze, Lord? Adam asked, and so the Lord explained it to him. So Adam went to Eve and squeezed her hand. He came back, and then the Lord commanded Adam and said, go give her a kiss. He said, what's a kiss, Lord? The Lord explained it to him, went, kissed Eve, came back. Then the Lord commanded Adam and said, be fruitful and multiply. And God had explained to him what that meant. So came back shortly after, and he said, Lord, what's a headache? <laughs> if you don't think that's funny, I don't care, I do. <laughs> Last week, we started a series called Origins, Origins, Back to the Beginning. And we're focusing on the first couple of chapters of the book of Genesis. Last week, we actually focused on the first two verses, Genesis chapter uh, 1, verse 1 and verse 2. Title of, of my message was, In the Beginning, God. And we talked about how God is the eternal and all-powerful and the loving creator. By the way, just a, a brief reminder, this upcoming Tuesday night, which is May 31st at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary, my friend uh, is going to be with us. His name is Dr. Stephen Achiriu. He has an earned doctorate, a doctorate in physics from Caltech. He's a pastor, one of the smartest guys I know. He's going to be teaching a class called Science and Creation and uh, so he'll give you a lot more in-depth information than I did last week, and he'll be answering questions as well. That's open to anybody. We want to invite you to attend uh, if you're available to do that. Would you stand your feet with me? I want to read from Genesis chapter 1, a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 1. Go ahead and stand your feet uh, as we honor the, the, the word of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, would you read that with me? It'll be on the screen, or you can read it from your Bible. Ready, go. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Good job. Stay standing. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, I don't even know how it happened, but you look better than you did last week. Come on, go ahead and tell somebody. You look even, you're even better looking than last week, last time I saw you. One of the things that we see in, in Genesis is God's original design or his original intention for critical aspects of life. And in the 
upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about gender. We're going to talk about sexuality. We'll talk about marriage and family. But what I want to focus on today is God's original intention for humans in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Broadly speaking, God's intention is rulership of the earth, rulership of the earth. That's what we're talking about today. The title of my message is Rulership Responsibility, Rulership Responsibility. In fact, I want to give you five statements. Put them on all the screens, uh, please, media team. I'm going to give you five statements. It's a lot of text. Go ahead and take a picture of it if you, if you want that. It's probably too much to write down. I've taught about this before when I've talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven which, by the way, are synonymous terms. They mean the exact same thing. In fact, I did a series back in the fall in September called Keys of the Kingdom, and which unpacks this in more detail. But leave these statements up there because this is going to help us understand rulership. Number one, God's original intention for humankind was to be in relationship with him and have rulership under him. Oftentimes, I think when we think about the Lord, you know, and... and and salvation, we think about relationship, but we forget about the rulership side. God wants us to have rulership. Number two, when Adam and Eve were deceived by the enemy, by Satan, and they disobeyed God, sin affected their relationship with God, and their rulership was forfeited to Satan. That's what Genesis chapter 3 is about. What was forfeited by the first Adam, Adam and Eve in the, in the garden of Eden, was restored by what Paul refers to, who Paul refers to as the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ. So our relationship with God and our rulership under God was restored through Jesus. Okay? Number four, Jesus proclaimed, demonstrated, and opened the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to all who believe and receive him as their king. Let me stop there for a moment real quick. Sometimes when we hear the term kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, what most people think about is when I die, and because I know the Lord, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the, in God's kingdom. That is, that is true. That is, that is accurate. However, men and women, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not just a promise about a future. It's not just a future hope. It is a present reality right here, right now. When Jesus came, he came preaching the kingdom of God. In fact, John the Baptist preached the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. All the disciples after him preached the kingdom of God. And they all said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. And, and put your hand out in front of you. They were saying, it is as close as your hand. It is right here, right now. Jesus actually said, the kingdom of God is within you. Listen, men and women, if you know the Lord, if you have surrendered your life to the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ, he is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is the ruler of all creation. He's the king of your life. If he has come into your life, if you've surrendered to him, then, the, then his kingdom has come as well. So everywhere you go is somewhere Jesus wants to be, and the way he gets there is in and through you and the presence of the kingdom in you. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It is his life, it is his power, it is his authority, it is his presence, it is his love, it is his joy, it is his goodness, and it is working in you and it is working through you to change the world around you. That's what's available to us. So when we're talking about rulership, we're talking about the kingdom. And then number five, Jesus commissioned or commanded. 
By the way, I like that word commission, commission, which means that he's helping us. He's, he's with us. He commissioned his followers, the church. Ecclesia in the Greek means the called out ones. That's you and I. If you know the Lord, we are the church. The church is not a building. The church is a people. <laughs> church is a body. The church is, is an organism. It's not an organization. It's an army. It's a family. He commissioned his followers, the church, to bring, listen to this, to bring God's restoring rulership, which is the kingdom of God, to bear upon Satan's destroying rulership, which is the kingdom of darkness, using the keys of the kingdom. Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church. That's you and I. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I love that. No matter what's going on in our world, no matter how dark seems to get men and women, Jesus has promised he is building his church. He is preparing a bride. Listen, and when it gets darker, the light shines brighter. (laughs) And he ain't gonna stop until he comes back. He is building his church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus conquered sin and death and hell at the cross and through his resurrection, you and I can learn to rule in life in relationship with him and under his authority. In other words, we can have the rule that God intended for us at the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. To say it differently, to quote my dad, Pastor Bob, He said, rulership in life is the option Christ offers to stop hell's worst and insist on heaven's best. (laughs) That's my dad. I love it. So I want to go back to Genesis chapter one, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. The first recorded action of God, the creator, to the newly created man and woman was to bless them. What does that tell you about God? Well, it tells me, men and women, it tells me that the creator is also the blesser. The creator is a blesser, and God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless my life. He desires that we have a full and rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give us abundant and eternal life. Doesn't mean we're never going to have any problems, but it means that we can live a blessed life. Somebody ought to say amen. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just sing that all. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. (laughs) Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Verse four, we referenced that last week. Even before he made the world, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Wow, chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So God blessed Adam and Eve. He blesses us. And then he commanded them. He commanded us five things. The, the words in Genesis 1, they are commands. They are in the, the verb tense 
is imperatives. In other words, they're not suggestions. In other words, God expects you and I, he expects us to do these things in our life. We have a responsibility to rule in life as God has intended for us. If we don't, we're disobeying him. <laughs> Say it differently. If we don't, we be in sin, all right? Genesis chapter one, verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. I wanna to talk to you, I wanna to explain to you what that means. What does rulership in life mean? Number one, rulership in life means that you are fruitful. Say fruitful. Come on, there's like three of you. Say it again, say fruitful. We can do this the easy way or the hard way, people, all right? Be fruitful, <laughs> be fruitful. In fact, the first three commands, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, they mean exactly what you think they mean. God was talking about procreation. He absolutely was. In fact, this is not, this is not far off. This might be a little bit of a paraphrase, but God is saying, go and have lots of sex. Come on, I know you men want to say amen, but you're nervous. You don't want to get in trouble. What a God, come on. He created sex. It's his idea. Go have lots of sex with your wife, with your spouse. <laughs> Jenny asked me the other night, she says, what are, you, what are you preaching on this weekend? I said, Genesis chapter one, verse 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. She said, oh, you're preaching about sex. And I said, no, I'm not. But I said, since you mentioned it, and she said, no, get away from me, I have a headache. <laughs> Certainly, God was, was speaking explicitly about procreation, but his command was beyond that, even to Adam and Eve. The application of that command was beyond just procreation. And for us today, on the other side of the cross, it definitely is. There is practical and spiritual application for all of these commands. The word fruitful means to bring forth, to grow, to increase, to be productive, profitable, prolific. In other words, let me say it like this. God wants you and I, he wants us to be fruitful and productive and prolific in every single area of our lives. He wants you to be fruitful in your finances. He wants you to be fruitful in your health. He wants you to be fruitful in your marriage. He wants you to be fruitful in your family. He wants you to be fruitful in your business endeavors and in your workplace. He wants you to be fruitful in your relationships, in your career, in your relationship with him. Maybe even in your golf game, I don't know. But he wants you to be fruitful in every area of your life. And if you're going to produce and reap good fruit, then you have to plant and sow good seeds. That's how it works. <laughs> if you want an apple tree, you got to plant apple seeds. If you want good fruit in your life, you have to be the one to plant good seeds. Come on, if you want a good marriage, you gotta plant good seeds in your marriage. Husbands and wives, husbands, let me talk to you. That means you ought to serve your wife. What does that mean? Take out the trash, do the dishes, clean up after yourself, help clean the house, fold some laundry. Come on, ladies, somebody say, man, I'm trying to help you out. You guys are dead quiet, all right? Jeez Louise. Guys, maybe, maybe, just maybe go buy a card. Write a nice note to your wife. Buy her flowers when it's not your anniversary. Just to say that you love her and you appreciate her and you care about her. Choose to forgive. Come on. Don't let bitterness and resentment and anger build in your heart. Forgive and move on. If you want a good marriage, you got to plant good seeds. 
Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. In other words, you ain't going to get away with nothing in your life (laughs) if you're making knucklehead dumb decisions. For he who sows to his flesh, that's talking about your, your sinful flesh, your sinful desires, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Verse 9 And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, some translations say at the proper time, we shall reap, listen, if we do not lose heart. That is a great verse. (laughs) Here's the problem for all of us, including myself. We live in an instantaneous world and culture. We want instant gratification, and we want it right now. Come on. Hot Pockets, Pop-Tarts, boom, 30 seconds, you want to eat something. Amazon Prime, in in 98 seconds, you got something delivered to your door. (laughs) And we take that approach to every aspect of our life, including our relationship with God. That's not how life works. So we we pray two, three times about something that's important. God didn't answer my prayer. That pastor's lying to me. He doesn't know what, God's not blessing my life. He ain't blessing nothing. We, we, we try, we plant good seeds with our, with our wife, guys, for about seven days. Doesn't pay off the way that we want it to, <laughs> which is a transactional relationship, by the way, if you're doing it to get something back. Doesn't pay off, psh, forget it, you give up. Most of us quit in life far too soon and far too easily. If you want good things, if you want to be fruitful in your, in your life, men and women, you got to sow and 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 you got to sow some more. And if you do that, if you do, if you live life God's way and his ways are always better, if you do that, God honors that and he will bless that and you will be fruitful. Just wait. Someday it'll change. Someday your finances will turn around. Someday your marriage will turn around. Someday your wayward son or daughter will come back because you've been planting good seeds. Whew, that's good preaching. All right, good job. I like it. Amen, John. Amen, me. Number two, rulership in life means that you multiply. That you multiply. Multiply means to become great, to become numerous, to increase substantially. There are three areas of our life that I think they kind of make up our life. In fact, when my dad would teach on this, this is how he would teach. I get this, learn this from him. Three areas that we should multiply, that we should maximize for the glory of God. All of us have them. Number one is time. Number two is treasures. Number three is, uh, is talents, or th- that order doesn't matter. First of all, with our time, all of us have the exact same amount of time. <laughs> you have as much time as Elon Musk does, 24 hours in a day. Not nearly as much money, but you have as much time. We all have time. We also all have talents, our gifts, our abilities, our passions, our ideas, our creativity. Or to quote Napoleon Dynamite, your sweet skills. (laughs) Bow hunting skills, nunchuck skills. Girls want guys with sweet skills. Gosh. You need to watch Napoleon Dynamite. And our, our skills, our talents are different for all of us. Not all of us can be as talented as Pastor Junior here and have as many as him, but they're all different. Third is our treasure, which is our financial resources. And this is also different and unique for all of us. God has made every single one of us managers or stewards of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. And guess what? God has invested in you, and he has invested in me, and he expects a result. He expects you and I to do something with our time and our talents and our treasures. 
to say it differently. Someday all of us are going to die and then face judgment. We're going to stand before God Almighty himself. And once the issue of salvation has been settled, I think God is going to say, what did you do with your life? We're not, we're not talking about salvation now. God expects us to do something with our life. In fact, if you read the New Testament, Paul, Paul writes about it often, that we will be rewarded uh, by the Lord with how we lived our life, with how we, we invested our time, our talents, and our treasure, with what we did or what we didn't do, by the way. All right. I need, a, I need a, three people to help me. Alex, you come on up here. Emmanuel, you come on up here. And who else can I pick? Zach, you come on up here. Give these guys a round of applause. These guys, I'm going to use these guys as an illustration. Stand up here across, across the stage right here. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 25. It's called the parable of the talents. And this is how it starts. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It is like a Lord. The word Lord means master, boss, owner. It's like a Lord who had three servants. He had three servants, and to each of his servants, he gave different amount of talents. To one, to one, he gave five talents. I got this $20. By the way, one talent was an extreme amount of money. I got $20 bills, which is about all I can afford. So here we go. One, two, three, four, five. First one, he gave five. To the second one, he gave two. Zach, you get two. One, two. And to the third servant, he gave one. And then he said to them, he commanded them, said, go do something with what I've given you. I'm going to go away on a long journey, and I'll be back, and I'm going to check on you. That's what, that's what the parable says. So then when the Lord returns, when he comes back, he asks each one of them, what did you do with the talents that, I get, that I've given you? What did you do? The first one, Alex says, Lord, I took the five talents that you gave me. I multiplied it. I did something with it. I used it. Look, and now not only do I have five, now I have 10. So it, it, that would come from him, but for the sake of illustration, you get five more. One, two, three, four, five. Sometimes I think of funny things that I can't say. To, to Zach... <laughs> Second goes to the second. What did you do? Lord, I took the two talents that you gave me. Look, I multiplied it. I doubled it. I have four now. Good job. One, two. Then he goes to the third one, Emmanuel, <laughs> who's like eight inches taller than me, literally. And he says, what did you do? And this is what the servant with one said. He said, Lord, I knew that you were an unfair and unjust master, which, by the way, isn't true. In other words, he had an inaccurate view of God. He didn't have a proper view of the master. Lord, I knew that you were unfair and unjust, and I was afraid. I didn't want to lose it. So you know what I did? I didn't do anything with it. I just buried it, buried it in the ground. Manuel put it on. I just buried it in the ground. Look, look, here it is. Here's the one. By the way, the master, before he gets to him, to these two guys, the, the one with the five that multiplied it to ten, the one with four that with two that multiplied it to four, he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will make you what? Hello, I will make you what? I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Listen, in your life, anytime you're using what God has given you, what he has placed in your hand or your heart, and you are using it for his glory, there is a blessing and a grace that comes on it. No matter what you do in your career, God, God will do more 
with his help than you could do on your own. And when that happens, there's great joy that comes with that. Well done, good and faithful servants. And then he goes to the one, Lord, I was afraid I didn't do anything. I buried it. Here's your one. You know what he says to him? He says, you wicked, I mean, Emmanuel's intimidating. <laughs> you wicked and lazy servant is what he says. <laughs> and he says, give me your one. I'm going to give it to the one who has 10 because he's going to do something with it. Come on, give these guys a round of applause. Give me back my money. Don't be taking my money. <laughs> I need all my money back. I got three kids to feed now. I don't, I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I want to hear, well done, John, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, well, you're done, you wicked and lazy servant, depart from me. Come on. God expects you, he expects you to be fruitful, he expects you to multiply, he expects you to multiply your time and your talents and your treasure. You may think, what does that mean? Real quick, real, real quick, how do you multiply your time? Listen, you invest your time into things that matter. First of all, you spend time with the Lord every single day, in his word, in prayer. There's nothing better you could do with your time. Number two, you invest time with your family. You invest time with your spouse, with your kids, with your grandkids. I was talking to a guy the other day who worked for a long time, and he said, one of the regrets I have is that I worked a whole lot. I should have spent more time with your family. Listen, that's what matters is your family, the people that you love. You can make more money. You don't get more time back. You can spend your time serving the Lord here at church. Come on, serving at VBS for five days. <laughs> Serve the Lord with your, with your talents. With your talents, what does that mean? It means Graduates, a lot of young people in here, if you're in school, be the best student that you can be. Don't cut corners, don't cheat, don't lie about your homework. You honor God, you work hard in school. Even the classes you don't like, that honors God and God honors hard, hard work. Be the, if you're working right now, which is most of us, you be the best employee or business owner that you can possibly be. <laughs> and by the way, if, you, if you're not working, but you are physically able to work, you get off your holy hiney and you go get a J-O-B. Stop mooching off our government. I don't care if you, can, you, think, you think you can make more money sitting at home, eating Flaming Hot Cheetos, playing video games all day. Get off your butt and go get a job. The Bible says, he who does not work does not eat. I don't know if that's too harsh, but I feel better now. I got that off my chest. Come on, go work. I hear of young adults all the time in their 20s and 30s living at home with mom or dad, not doing anything, eating all their food, not working. Go get a job. That honors God. All right, all right, I, better, I better get off that. But <laughs> And with your treasure, be a generous person. Give to others. Tithe and put God first with your finances. That's how you use your treasure. Honor the Lord with it. Number three. Be fruitful, multiply. Number three, rulership in life means that you fill the earth. You fill the earth. You fill the earth. I think probably the most important application for us today is that wherever we go, wherever God takes us in our lives, we, we fill the earth. We bring the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. We bring his light, his love, his life, his presence into any and every situation, any place that we're at. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, let me tell you why you are here. This is the message paraphrase. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. 
You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. Fill the earth. Number four, rulership in life means that you subdue. Say subdue. Say it again. Say subdue. Subdue is a great word. It, it means to conquer, to overcome, to defeat, to take leadership, to win challenges. God has given to every one of us here, everybody listening to my voice online, he's given to every one of us. He's entrusted to us a realm, R-E-A-L-M. You have a realm. What, it, what is a realm? It is, it is where you are called to rule in your life. It is, it is the spiritual influence that God has given you. You think, what, what does that mean? Number one, it means your life. It means your actual life. It means your physical body, by the way. That's why... The Bible says that you have been bought with a price. Your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God. Honor, honor the Lord with your body. Be, be healthy. Don't get involved in sexual sin with, with somebody who's not your spouse, by the way. That's part of what it means. So it's your life. It's your body. It's your marriage if you're married. It is your family, your kids, your grandkids, your extended relatives. That's part of your realm. It's your relationships. It's your friendships. It is, it is your coworkers, the, the people that you know, your, your, your place of work. It is your physical house and home. It is the neighborhood that you live in. That is your realm, men and women. And you have a rulership responsibility. You have a rulership responsibility in your realm to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. By very definition, if you're going to subdue, if you're going to overcome, if you're going to defeat, if you're going to win victories, guess what that means? You're going to have challenges. You're going to have problems. You're going to have pain. You're going to have stuff that you got to go through that you don't want to go through. If you're going to subdue, by definition, by nature, that's what it takes. So if I want to get to my friend Chris Haracha right there in the middle, life is good, I'm, you know, I'm walking with the Lord. Things are going good. Easy to come to church when everything's going well. My kids are, aren't acting crazy when things are good with, my, with, with Jenny at home with the pets. You know, it's easy to praise the Lord. It's easy to give. It's easy to serve. But guess what? As I keep walking at some point, I'm going to run into an obstacle. I'm going to run into a challenge. I'm going to get a, a negative report from the doctor. Fall, fall into debt. Go through a divorce. Death of a loved one. My dad dies. Most pain I've, I've ever been in in my whole life. And so what some people do when they hit an obstacle or a challenge is they just sit. They just get stuck. They just stop moving. Stuck in their pain. Stuck in their brokenness. Angry, bitter at people. Bitter at God. Blaming everybody. Stuck in their setback. <clears throat> Some people, I, I talk to people, Pastor Junior, we talk to people, right? Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm walking through the journey, so I understand it. Some people stay here. They're stuck. There's they're, like they're stuck in a pit. They're sitting down. They're stuck. They stay there sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months, sometimes for years, sometimes for decades. Some people never get past that obstacle. But men and women, listen, you and I, we are not called. 
We are not called to just sit there. We're not called even to have an easy life. God has called you. He has created you. He has called you to be, to be an overcomer, to be a champion. Come on. That means that when you face an obstacle, you can either stay there and be stuck or you can overcome. And you're going to face another one, and you can overcome that. And you're going to face another one, and you can overcome that. Come on, somebody. Help me preach. almost just split my suit pants right now. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, put up, the, put up that verse, Romans chapter 8. I need to wear my glasses. I can't read that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul went through every single one of those things. He's speaking from experience. This isn't hypothetical to him. I've been through all those things. Can any of those things separate me from the love of God? Absolutely not, he says. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are, in, in, the, in the Greek, that's hooper, it's hyper. It's, it's like a super achieving conqueror. Listen. If you are connected with Jesus, men and women, you have no excuse. It doesn't matter what family you came from, what brokenness you came from, what generational curses you came from, what dysfunction was in your family, what side of the tracks you came from, what neighborhood you grew up in. It doesn't matter what color you skin, your skin is. You and I, we have no excuse. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, in the kingdom of God, we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You and I, you have the power of God living in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the kingdom of God living and active in you. You and I, we have no excuse. First John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So no matter what obstacle, no matter what challenge comes, you are created to subdue in Jesus' name. Be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth. Subdue any and every challenge and obstacle you face. Don't let it hold you back and have dominion. Have dominion. God gave Adam and Eve. He gave them dominion over all creation, over all the animals. In fact, God, God entrusted Adam so much, he says, you name all the animals. <laughs> I just created them. Go ahead. You can name them. I think that's so cool. He gave them dominion. You know what dominion is? Dominion means that you have the right Listen, you have the right, you have the God-given right to exercise God's power and authority. That's what dominion is. In other words, Jesus gave you, he gave you and I spiritual dominion over evil and the evil one. That's why I like that old school song. I asked to sing it this week, Majesty by Pastor Jack Hayford. Majesty, kingdom authority. Marilyn, kingdom authority flows from his throne unto his own. Because Luke chapter 9 says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He has given you and I that same power and that same authority. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. What's he talking about right there? He's talking about spiritual enemies and over all the power of the enemy. <laughs> not just some of it, not just most of the power of the enemy, not 99.9%, .9 all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
In other words, it's your job and it's my job. It is our rulership responsibility to exercise spiritual power and spiritual authority over our realm. And that means to subdue every attack of the enemy, to fight every spiritual battle, to overcome every challenge we face, to push out darkness and destruction and death, and to bring in God's light and love and life, to rule in life with God's power and authority. So when sickness attacks your body or your family, you have dominion. When marital conflict comes, you have dominion. When fear attacks your mind, you have dominion. When anxiety and panic attacks start to come on you, men and women, you have dominion. When drugs try to drag one of your kids away down a path of hell and destruction, you have dominion. When the enemy attacks your life, you have dominion because God has blessed you and he has commanded you, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here today, maybe, maybe there's an area of your life for whatever reason. Maybe willingly or unwillingly, knowingly or unknowingly, where you, you know that you are not ruling with God's authority and power, whatever it might be. Maybe it's more than one area of your life. And you want to ask the Lord to come in. His kingdom, his rulership would come in today. I want to, I want to agree with you in prayer. I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out, but if that's you and you want me to agree with you in prayer, say, say John, I'm going to surrender this area of my life. To his rulership. Just close your eyes, but raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand wherever you are. Lots of hands. Lots of hands going up right now. You can put them down. Lord, come in agreement right now in Jesus' name with my brothers and sisters, my friends here today, maybe those watching online. Lord, you know the challenges, the obstacles. You know everything that they're facing right now. Lord, if, if, if they have done it maybe on, on purpose or they just made bad decisions, God, let them surrender that to you right now and forgive them. God, we pray in Jesus' name that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in every area of our lives. Let life push out death. Let light push out darkness. Lord, let grace push out condemnation. Let health push out sickness. In Jesus' name, Lord, come in, change turn things around, do the impossible, God, as only you can do. Lord, in, in all of our lives, God, we submit to your rulership. We submit to your reign, your lordship. Change us, God. Make us the kind of men and women that you've created us, called us to be for your glory. We would be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion, do it under your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can open up your eyes. So one more thing, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and, and you're not in relationship with the Lord. <laughs> There's no rulership without relationship. You're not, you're not in relationship with God. God loves you so much. As I just quoted Ephesians 1, 4, even before he made the world, he loved you. He chose you. He loved you so much that that's why he gave Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus from heaven his son, his sinless son, to live 
a perfect, sinless life to show us how to love God, how to love people. Jesus went to the cross, not because he did anything wrong, but because we did everything wrong, because of our sin, our brokenness, our rebellion, and he paid the price on the cross. Why? To reconcile you, to bring you back into relationship with God. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. But through his blood that he shed, the Bible says, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. How good is that? He's forgiven us, he's cleansed us, Jesus came to give us abundant and eternal life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way, men and women, to have a relationship with God. There is no other way. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. That's not how it works. It's a gift. It's called grace. You have to receive it. Part of being made in the image of God, part of what that means is that you and I have as much free will as God does. In other words, we can do whatever we want with our life. God isn't gonna force himself on us. Love in its nature, you can't force somebody to love you. If you do, that's not love, that's something else. That ain't love. God wants you to respond to his love, so he's given you free will. He's given us free will, but you have to choose. You can accept it and receive it, or you can reject it. Either way, there's consequences. You're gonna reap what you sow. And not, the way, not, not only, by the way, just in, in, in the rest of this life, however long you spend here on earth, but for eternity as well. Eternity with God is called heaven. Eternity separated from God is called hell. You and I were created to spend eternity with God in heaven, but we have to receive him as Lord, as master, as boss, and as savior. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've walked away from the Lord and you find yourself coming back to him today. You wanna come back to him. You feel his love and his presence in this place. And you say, Jesus, take me back. He's waiting. He loves you so much. Close your eyes one more time. If you're here today, you're watching online, you've never ever made that decision before, but you wanna come into relationship with God right here. Today's a day of salvation, the Bible says. Today's a day you're the person. If you'll make the choice, God will make the change. Or maybe you've walked away from the Lord, but you wanna come back to him today. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and look at me, and I'm gonna agree with you, and then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of salvation. If that's you, one, two, Three, raise your hand, hold your hand up high until I see you. Hold your hand up. There's a little young guy back there. I see you, uh, ma'am, over there in the back. Praise God. Anybody else here this morning? Anybody else here this morning? Just give one more moment. Anybody else? So good. Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. I want to lead all of us. There's at least two hands that I saw. I wanna lead all of us in a prayer of salvation and confession for those two people, but I want all of us to pray it out loud in support of them. Would you repeat these words after me, a phrase at a time? Just repeat after me. God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I declare that heaven is my home and I wanna live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that this morning? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 
714-255-0930.